Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I uh, want to encourage you today with this scripture. Luke 10, 18. It says, he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He's fallen, and that's the situation we are in. He is already a fallen, defeated foe. Amen? And you have absolute dominion over the adversary. And as you lift your praise and worship this morning, you, you show the magnificence and the power of your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Wherever you are, stand and magnify his name. Bless his name. Declare, account your blessing one by one, started by salvation. Hallelujah. And continue for eternity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessing one by one, start counting them. Count my, my blessing one by one. Your goodness in my life. How could I ask for more in you? I'm satisfied. All the mountains that I ascend, they leave me empty time and time again. I fix my eyes. On this reward, the world behind me now and you before. I count my blessings one by one. Your goodness in my life. How could I ask for more? And you are satisfied. And you are all I have. I know that I will find that you are all. When I survey the wonder of the cross, I count my blessings one by one. Your goodness in my life, how could I ask for more? If you are satisfied, if you are all I have, I know that I will find that you are all I need. You are satisfied. Nothing else. Nothing else.
satisfied by you. You are the fullness of everything. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, in this house of your great king of glory. We come together to worship you. From all over the world, we lift up our voice and declare your glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We are your house and we gathered as one body, house of the living God. Awesome. 
You are home. 
presence right now, past every gaze of praise, right in your sanctuary, within it, right before your Father, standing face to face, glorious Father, who dwell in an approachable light, but yet you invite us there through the blood in Christ Jesus, right before your throne, hallelujah, look at your countenance, Lord, I see the fullness of I bring every thought into captivity and obedience of Christ in your presence. As I standing in your presence, past the gates of praise, within your sanctuary, as we stand in face to face. I look upon your countenance, I see the fullness of your grace, and I can only bow down and say, You are awesome. 
You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, mighty
to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. To us, he is more than Emmanuel, for he's not only with us, but he is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. God for us, God with us, but God in us. Now, by virtue of our surrender and yieldedness to him and abandonment to him, he desires to not only be Christ in us, living inside of us, but he wants to live through us so that we might manifest him in the earth so that we would be the extension of him so that as they see us they see him for this purpose the son of God was manifested for this purpose he is here and he's abiding in us that we might live the life that he has ordained for us from before the foundation of the world and that life is his life that life is eternal life so, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory, but it is also Christ living through you. So that the works that he did before, he will continue to do through you. Those works and even greater works. For we may say that yes, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is seated, he is waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. And in that sense... Directly, he's not doing any miracles. But yet, indirectly, he is. For he is the miracle worker through us, even while he is yet seated. He is seated, waiting to be, make his enemies his footstool. But yet, he is here, and he is in us, living through us. Living through us, doing those same works and greater works. He has gone to the Father. He is there, but he is here. This is the reality of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. His son, Jesus, revealed in you and revealed through you. And that we might preach him among the Gentiles. So that it is that Christ. It is that gospel that we preach even without words. The very manifestation of his life in us and through us. So for that reason... We must be conformed to his image. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We must abide in him and him in us. We must be sanctified, separated, yielded, abandoned, present all of our faculties unto him. We must be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service. For hereinto are we called, O Rashakata Sakataba. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few will answer the call and abandon themselves to him. But for them that will abandon themselves to him, he will show himself strong. He will show himself to be the Lord God Almighty. He will show himself to be your father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So come out from among them and be separate and be ye sanctified as unto the Lord. Present yourself a living sacrifice. 
Having therefore these promises, brethren, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord, that the Lord himself might be seen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And oh, how fitting that is, that he is the same today as he was then, in us and through us. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. As Jesus is, so are you to be in this world. Amen? Glory to God. Well, bless the Lord. Well, as we bless the Lord with our song, with our praise, presenting our body a living sacrifice, now let us bless the Lord with our giving. But as we do, I want to give you a word, and it has to do with wisdom. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. And this is in Proverbs 3, verse 13 to, to 16. You're, gonna, you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with, with offering and giving? Well, pay close attention. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gains than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. So here the scripture speaks about, about wisdom as if she were a woman. As if she were, and she says, she says, wisdom has in her right hand length of days. That's health. That's health. That's divine health. In her right hand, there is health. And in her left hand, there are riches and honor. Now, you see, riches and honor, we need good health to be able to live and enjoy it. So God wants you, so wisdom says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you health, but I'm also going to give you riches and honor so that you have the health with which you can enjoy the riches and honor. And so for that reason, it says, in, in 3 John verse 4, Beloved, I wish above all things that you might what? Prosper and be in health. How? Even as your soul prosper. You say, well, what, why do I say all of that in relationship to giving to this end? It is the will of God that this gospel will go to the ends of the earth. That's the will of God. But it is also the will of God that you would be in health. And that you would prosper even as your soul prosper. So as you give today, I'm asking you to give and let your heart be aligned with his will. Let your heart be aligned with his will in your giving and release your faith. Release your faith that as you are giving, you are giving into the will of God for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. But as you give, you're also releasing your faith for his will that you would be in divine health. You are also releasing your faith that you might prosper, that you would have riches, and that you would have wealth. So you're releasing your faith to put in harmony with the will of God as you give today. Amen? And I believe God, that the word of God says 
that the seed of the righteous shall be blessed. So that financial seed that you are sowing, whether it be $100, $1,000, $50, whatever it is, I believe God that the seed of the righteous is blessed. So that seed is multiplied in the name of Jesus. Multiplied in the kingdom of God and multiplied coming back to you in Jesus' name. I pray you receive that. I pray you release your faith. I believe the blessing of the Lord and the anointing of God is on that word and it will cause supernatural increase in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Now, the instructions how to give is on your screen. Just go right ahead and follow them. And thank you for all of, all of you that have been so faithful, giving over a period of time consistently. Some have given for the first time. But thank you, thank you, thank you. The Lord sees and the Lord blesses you. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's just stand just for a moment and just pray as we go to the word today. And I believe as we go to the word today, I'm believing God. We're going to need to have some, I'm going to call it spiritual intelligence. Amen. But God, by his grace, strengthens us with might in our innermost being. And God enlightens our eyes and our understanding. And he gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can have spiritual intelligence. And so that we might grasp what the spirit of the Lord is speaking to us today. And so, Spirit of the living God, we thank you right now for teaching, for leading, for guiding, for importing, for giving us understanding. And grant us grace that we might walk in the things that you unveil to us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord God Almighty reigns. All right. Hallelujah. Labakarasheketekaranda. Today's message is titled, Faith Wisdoms from the Sacrifice of Christ. In other words then, as we consider wisdom, functioning in wisdom, and then we start looking for answers, how do I do this, how do I do that? Well, from the very sacrifice of Christ, we are going to receive wisdom to be able to function more effectively in faith. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Sounds like a tall order. Well, not for the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say that again. It felt good anyway. I'm going to say it again. It feels good. <laughs> that we are going to, we need to know how to function in wisdom. How to release our faith. How to function in faith. How to release our faith. And I believe that through the very sacrifice of Christ, we will receive instructions, understanding, wisdom by which we will be able to function in faith more effectively. And how many of you know that this is the victory that overcomes even our faith? So if we can function in faith more and more effectively, then we're going to have more and more success and victory. All right, so let's get going. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you see, the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, in all of your getting, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. And in all your getting, get wisdom. 
but also get understanding. Through wisdom, the house is built, but it's through understanding that it becomes established. And then it is through knowledge, right? The rooms become filled with plenty. Grace and peace is multiplied through knowledge, but we need the wisdom. Amen? And understanding. Okay. Now, concerning faith, we know that faith is absolutely necessary in the life of a believer. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that you and I have been saved by grace through faith. We got into this through faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says um, the just shall live by faith. Which means as a believer you cannot live the Christian life without faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 it says we walk by faith and not by sight. That means you cannot walk the Christian walk without faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. First Peter chapter, I'm just making this point. Faith is absolutely necessary for the believer. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 and 9 says, The devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you and I are to resist him steadfast in the faith so that he doesn't have an advantage, so that he's not able to devour us. Ephesians 6 verse 16 says that we are able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one with the shield of faith. Say faith is necessary. And Paul says in 2, Timothy, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 that your faith grows exceedingly. So you can grow and you can develop in faith. You can grow and you can develop through faith. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. Now, in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, it says that you need to fight the good fight of faith. So we need to know, it says fight the good fight of faith that you might lay a hold on eternal life. That you might lay a hold on the God kind of life. That you might be able to live the life that God intended for you to live. And it says in order to do that, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Well, if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you've got to know how to fight the good fight of faith. Wouldn't you say that? You've got to know how to fight the good fight of faith. And therein comes the wisdom. The wisdom as to how to fight the good fight of faith. Okay. Now we know that in Romans, now I'm just building a foundation here. Amen? All right, glory to God. We, because where are we going? We want to have, we want to allow the sacrifice of Christ to give us wisdom to show us how we can function in faith more effectively and, and, and accurately and especially in those times when we are just not sure how do I do this? How do I act on the word? Yeah, the promise says this, but what do I do? And for that reason, we want to go look at Adam and the sacrifice so that we can get some insight. Okay. So faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God, so we need to find the word of God, get a hold of the promise of God, and then come in agreement with that promise. Come in agreement with that word. But what do you mean come in agreement? What does that mean? What does that look like? Because that's what his faith is. 
is coming in agreement with the word of God. Well, there is a phrase, there's a word that is often used, particularly in the old King James, the word conversation. And I like it. Because conversation, it does not just mean what they're speaking, but it means the entirety of your conduct. It means how you think. It means how you speak. It means your attitudes. It means your believing. It means your action. And the scripture says, for instance, in Psalms 50 verse 23, that when a man orders his conversation aright, God says, I'm going to demonstrate salvation. In other words, I'm going to bring fulfillment. Because salvation is wholeness. It's deliverance. It's prosperity. It's divine protection. It's healing. So God says, when you order your conversation aright, I am going to call salvation to be made manifest. In other words, then when your thinking is lined up, when your believing is lined up, when your attitudes are lined up, when your speaking is lined up, and when your actions are lined up, God says you are ordering your conversation, all right, and I'm going to demonstrate salvation. You say, but Psalms 50 verse 23 is an Old Testament scripture. Okay, but how about this one? It says in um, Philippians 1 and verse 27, it says that your conversation ought to be as it becometh the gospel. What does that mean? It means your conversation needs to be in harmony and in agreement with the gospel, with the reality of, of, of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension. In the reality, your conversation needs to be in line with the sacrifice, with the good news, with the reality of Christ living in you. Your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your actions needs to be in agreement. Well, that is really what faith is all about. Amen? That is what faith is all about. Philippians 3 verse 20 puts it this way. It says, let your conversation be according to heaven. Which means, what is God's will in heaven? How is it in heaven? How should we be speaking, thinking, believing, speaking, and the attitudes especially when we have that verse of scripture that we are standing on. How do we come in agreement with it? Hallelujah. But sometimes we go through all of that. We get a hold of the word. We get a hold of the promise. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then sometimes we still just don't know how to act on that word. And so we say, all right, let's go a little further. I got I to gotta do this. I got to do this. So we, so we decide we're going to meditate on the word, which we should. For it says in, in Joshua 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate therein, how often? Day and night, that you might observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you're going to make your way prosperous. And then you're going to have Good success. In other words, Joshua 1 8 is saying that when you go through the process of meditating in the word, when you visualize that word, when you ponder that word, when you study that word, when you stay with that word, when you when you mutter that word, when you go through that process and you so that you can get understanding, so that you can talk right. And so when you go through the process, it will lead to you making your way prosperous and having good success. And that's an awesome truth because it is saying that that meditation will end up with you having manifestation. Why is that? Because when you meditate on the word of God, meditation will bring what? Revelation. And when you get revelation, then guess what? You now have motivation. When you got motivation, what happens? You can take action. And when you take action, that is what leads to the fruit and to the harvest and the manifestation. Are you with me? Now, obviously, you ought to meditate on the word. 
You ought to meditate. You should meditate to the word. But again, we are saying there are times where you still don't know how do I act on that word. Because if you can act on it right, and you can believe right, and you can think right, then you're going to be in faith, and your faith will work. So let me give you an example. You may have, you might not be able to find your keys. Your keys are lost. So what do you do? Ha, ha, ha. Well, you can, you can say, well, I got a promise. The word of God says, nothing here that shall not be revealed. Nothing covered that shall not be uncovered. Therefore, my keys cannot be lost. Nothing here that shall not be revealed. Therefore, nothing covered that shall not be uncovered. Therefore, if there is something covering my key, it needs to become exposed. If my key is hidden somewhere, it's got to be revealed. So upon the authority of the word and the promises of God, I command my keys to show up. Now, what do you do? Well, <laughs> you ought to, I believe I'm going to find my keys. I got this expectation. So you should go search. <laughs> but you're searching with expectation. Amen? But then suppose, suppose while you are there and, you, and you're claiming that promise, I call my keys found in the name of Jesus. Hakasakatababaka. But then now you see, and I'm going to get to the sacrifice of Christ in a moment. But there are eight elements of the sacrifice of Christ. The eighth element, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, has to do with the word of God, the promises of God, and divine utterance. Right? So while you're here believing for your keys, here comes the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord says, couch. <laughs> Maybe that's all you got. Couch, but you heard it, you picked it up. So you realize, wait a minute, couch. My keys in the couch. Hmm. But you just got what? You just got actually one element of the sacrifice having to do with that utterance. That wasn't a scripture and a chapter and a verse you just got. That wasn't a promise you got. You got utterance. Now you may call it a word of, of, of knowledge, which it could be, but it might not necessarily be a word of knowledge. But either way, that word comes, and now you know. Ha, huh. now you can go, and, well, I got two coaches. Which coach is it? Well, search both of them. Come on. <laughs> Here you found the keys. But here's my point. I just use that example to point out that you can, you, you can, you need to meditate, you need to do that, but sometimes out of the very sacrifice of Christ, you can get answers. You can get wisdom, supernatural divine wisdom. Okay, let's use another example a little bit closer to home. First Peter 2 verse 24 says, by his stripes, you were healed. By his stripes, you were healed. Now you know the number of ways you can act on that verse of scripture. But let's just make it a little bit more tricky. We're not just talking about physical healing. We're talking about emotional healing. We're talking about the realm of emotions. You, you know, and, and, I mean, you know, I mean, where your emotions have been Card. It's been, I mean, you've, maybe you've suffered some kind of, of, of abuse. You've, maybe you've been bullied sometime in the past. Some, you've been betrayed. Maybe you've, be, you've, you've suffered rejection. Maybe you've, you've been, been living underneath some realm of condemnation for such a long period of time. And it, it, or maybe you, you, you lived in a, such a place of lack and poverty. And these things have scarred you. And it's affecting your believing. And here you are. You believe in God. The word of God says. 
By his stripes you are healed. Healed from all of those emotional scars, from rejection, from wherever they may be. Now you're asking, but now how do I act on that? You got a promise, Jeremiah 30 verse 17, where God says, I will restore health to you and I will heal your wounds. That's a great promise. Psalms 147 verse 3, he heals what? The brokenhearted. That means there is healing even for the realm of the emotions. But the question now is how? Now I can just stand in the gap and I could say by faith, Lord God, I receive the healing for this, for this hurt, this woundedness that is on the inside of me. And you can do that. And maybe somebody can lay hands on you, they can minister to you by the Holy Ghost, and it's taken care of. But what is, but is there another way? Is there a wisdom that comes from the sacrifice of Christ? So that you can still, you can get this stuff dealt with. And not only that, you can get it dealt with in a manner so that you don't have to deal with it again. All right? Well, here is where the wisdom that comes from the sacrifice comes in. But before I, I, I get to that, let me very quickly, as briefly as I can, for those of you who, who, um, who feed in this ministry often, you know what the eight elements of the sacrifice of Christ are. So for you, I'm going to be reminding you, for those of you that are hearing it for the first time, Capture it as best as you can by the grace of God. Now, obviously the sacrifice of Christ is the good news and what Jesus did. Now, there are two sides to the sacrifice of Christ that you must grasp. Number one is what God did for us in Christ. And then the second side of the sacrifice is what God did with you in the sacrifice of Christ. You say, well, what is that? Well, the word of God says that when Jesus was baptized, that you were, it says in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, you were, when you have been baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. You were buried with him by baptism. And we're going to learn from Ephesians that you were raised up together with him. You ascended with him. You were made to sit at the Father's right hand. You were washed by the blood of Jesus. And right now, as a born-again child of God, you've got the authority of the name of Jesus. You also have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you also have the word slash promises slash utterance. And those are the eight elements in terms of your side. But now, let's put it both together. Let's put it together just in a quick summary. Because you see, it says, in, no, it says, for instance, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, that by the faith of the operation of God, these things were done. In other words, 2,000 years ago, I don't know how God did it, but I do know it is by the faith of the operation of God. It's God's faith. I'm not going to question whether God had enough faith to do this and to go outside the time. He's God. And that is what the scripture says. So by the faith of the operation of God, what happened? God took each and every one of us and God placed you in Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, you went to the cross. That is why Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to go to the cross. Come follow me. Did he say that? He meant it. He wasn't joking. He wasn't being figurative. <laughs> he says, come follow me. Come climb up on that cross. And so we were buried with him and all of that. Now. So let me give you the summary of what the sacrifice of Christ is, both sides. What God did for us in Christ, what Jesus did, and what God did with us in Christ. Here is what it is. When Jesus was died and was crucified, you and I 
were, you and I died and were crucified with him. When Jesus was buried, you were buried with him. When Jesus was resurrected, we were raised up together with him. When Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand, we were made to sit together with him at the Father's right hand in Christ. When Jesus shed his blood, that blood washed us, cleansed us, forgave us, and all, and all kinds of other things as well. And then what happened is, we now have as a result the name of Jesus. Jesus came so that we can have his name and function in his name. But that's, that's what, number five, I think. So death, number one, burial, number two, resurrection, number three, ascension, number four, blood, number five, the name of Jesus, number six, and then number seven, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You've got the life of Christ. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. And the life you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. And then number eight is the word and the promises of God are yours. Are you with me? All right. Now, now that you got it, let's back up. So let's go back now to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Remember, you got some wounds, you got some emotional stuff, and you, and you need to be healed of these things. But, 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 but you know, and, and um, you, know, you can't wait for somebody to lay hands on you. You need, you need, to, get some, you need to, to get the hold of this stuff. So now we are going to look to the wisdom of God. We're going to look to the sacrifice of Christ, and somewhere... In every situation, within those eight elements, there is always the answer. Because you see, the sacrifice of Christ has answered every problem that any human being could ever have. But I'll come back to that. Let's continue. All right. So now, remember, the emotional stuff. Did we not just talk in physical? Thank God it works in that realm as well. So according to the sacrifice of Christ, your past, your past and the voice that is coming to you from the past, what happened to you in your childhood? What happened to you in that situation? Well, the, the suffering, the, 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 the hurt, the wounded, the betrayal, the, maybe the abuse, whatever. According to the sacrifice of Christ, now hear this. Your past came to an end in the death and the burial of Christ. Not only did your past come to an end, but that identity that you had from your humanity came to the end. Now, I could only go so far within the time that we have. Nevertheless, Revelation chapter 5 says that by the blood of Jesus, you've been redeemed out of every tribe, out of every kindred, out of every, out of every in other words, in Christ. It's not about male or female. It's not about this ethnicity. It's not about, it's not about what you're, what, 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 what gen, it's not about gender. It's not about whether you are engineer or a janitor. All of that stuff, all of those human identities came to an end. And whatever happened in the past, that person died and was buried. So it is no longer Saul here. It is Paul here. Are you with me? It is no longer the one that one that, that, that did all these wicked things, persecuting the saints. No, this is Christ. This is Paul, a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So by death and burial, which is number one and two in the sacrifice, those things came to an end. And they were buried. You know, it's good to sometimes, don't, I know that today we have, we, 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 you know, we keep, we, we, you know, people, are, people die and, and they cremate them and I understand that. And they'll have a little urn and they'll keep it in the house. I understand it, but I prefer not. You know why? I need a burial so that we can get rid of the body completely. I want to know it's gone. It's not here anymore. <laughs> Amen. All right. But anyway, that's another story. Now, I'm going to just go one step further just for now for the sake. Just one little step. 
The fact of the matter is, man, if you could capture this. When you got born again, listen to me carefully. You were placed where? In Christ. Say in Christ. And everything, and I don't mean most things, I mean everything. Everything outside of in Christ, you are dead to or at least you have authority over it by ascension. Okay. So the scripture will say in Galatians 6.14 that I'm not going to boast in anything else but the cross by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So I'm dead to the world. People, oh man, could people ever mess with you? Well, the word of God says that when Jesus died, all died. And that's in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. Now what about you yourself? Well, you were crucified with Christ and it's no longer you that live. You were buried with him by baptism. You were immersed into his death. You say, but what about the circumstances? Am I dead to them? Well, you should be. But I'll tell you this about the circumstances. You are seated where? In the place of ascension. And it's far above principalities, powers, my dominion, and every name that is named. Whatever circumstance or situation that is coming against you, it's got a name. It's got a label. Well, the name of Jesus is above it. And you are above it, first of all, by the name. Secondly, also by the place of your position in ascension. You say, but what about the devil? Am I dead to him? Oh, 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 stop. You have authority over him. You are seated where? Far above principalities and powers. And Jesus has given you what? The name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. You can tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So what I've just done just very briefly is that everything that is outside of where you now live. Say I'm in Christ. Say I live here. In him I live. And in him I move. Outside, everything outside of Christ you are dead to. Or you have authority over by ascension and by the name of Jesus. So right now we've already seen, we have seen death and burial, number one and two. We have seen um, the name, numbers five and number six. And, you, and, and, we, and we also see number four, which is a place of ascension. Okay. So now, you can now apply those truths of death and burial in those areas where you have need of it. You can now, and I'm going to give you an example. You can now take the fact that, wait a minute, the person that went through all of that stuff, all of that abuse, all that hurt, all that woundedness, that's not me. I'm dead to that. That's gone. I'm not that person. I'm a different person. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That, the person that happened to is not me. That person doesn't live here anymore. He's been dead and crucified with Christ. You say, but that doesn't, the, the, how, how is that going to work? Is that, does that really work? Yes, but let me explain why. The scripture says, now hear this very carefully. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, The preaching of the cross to us who are saved is what? The power of God that can produce salvation, wholeness, healing from memories or whatever. What produces it? The cross by itself, the sacrifice by itself, no, the preaching of the cross. In other words, when you speak it, that's right. 
So when you speak, I'm being crucified. When you speak that I'm dead to that, when you speak that I have this authority, any element of the sacrifice of Christ, power is released when you speak it. So when those tormenting things are coming from the past and you can just declare and speak, power is going to be released to reverse it and cancel it. You might have a very tough situation to forgive. And so the blood gives you the authority by which you forgive, but you need to speak it. I forgive, I release them from those things that they did or said against me by the power and authority of the blood. You speak it. The point I'm making is you can go to the sacrifice, see which element applies, and release the power by speaking it, by believing it, and so on. Titus 1 verse 3, God says the same thing. God says that he will manifest his word. How? Through preaching. Now, when we say preaching, it doesn't mean from the pulpit. It means speaking. It means declaring. God says, you speak it, and I will manifest it. The preaching, the speaking of the cross, of the sacrifice is the power of God. That is why the devil don't want you talking. That's the reason why the devil want to intimidate you and make you be afraid of public speaking. Public speaking is, is, is the number one fear among most human beings. Why? Because if he can shut you up, then he can shut you down. And the word of God says, power is in your tongue. So when you connect the word with the elements of the sacrifice, power is released. That is the reason why Proverbs 12 verse 6 says, The mouth of what? The righteous shall deliver him. Deliver him. Set him free from what? Whatever bondage it is. Hallelujah. The righteous, the mouth of the righteous. Well, guess what? You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ by virtue of the blood. You are justified by the blood. The sacrifice of Christ is what made you the righteousness of God. Jesus was made to be what? Sin, that you might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So now, you can, the, the, the mouth of who? The righteous. But you're righteous because of the sacrifice. Shall deliver him. But what are we doing here? We are applying, we are getting wisdom from the sacrifice of Christ so that we are functioning in faith spontaneously. God says that he will, that, listen to this verse of scripture. Now take this, write it down, come back, meditate on it. And this is so powerful. God said, God is the one that sets the standard. And God says the word of the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. That unto me, every tongue shall swear allegiance. In other words, every tongue is going to say, okay, I bow, I submit. To who? Is it just to God? No. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. And unto that word that comes out in righteousness, everything will bow. God has ordained all of creation to obey the voice of righteousness. That is the reason why Jesus could speak to the wind and speak to the storms. That is why God says, look here, you can speak to that fig tree and command it the root to die. You can speak to that sycamore tree and it will obey you. He can say, speak to the mountain. Why? Because they've all been ordained. God have literally 
put within their makeup. God has placed something within them that says, oh, not just obey my son. This is my beloved son hearing, but obey the voice of righteousness. That is the reason why all creation is waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. What am I saying here? I'm just pointing out here. This stuff is coming out. So even the authority of faith, the authority of faith, where is it coming from? It's coming from righteousness. It's coming from the name, number six. Number six. It's coming from ascension, number four. It's coming from the entirety of the sacrifice that makes you the righteousness of God. You see, many times we speak, we declare, but we're not talking from the right place. And when you're not speaking from the right place, you're not speaking from ascension, you're not speaking from the name of Jesus, you're speaking eye to eye with the devil, you lose. You're just like the sons of Sceva. Right? And the demons say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know, but who are you? They say in the name of the same Jesus that Paul talked about. Yeah, they use the same name, but they weren't functioning from the right place. But you and I, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you're functioning from that place, when you're functioning from ascension, when you are functioning in the name of Jesus, all things God says, I have already spoken that they're going to bow. This is the reason why the scripture will say in, in, in Psalms 2 and verse 7 that I will declare what God has decreed. If God has decreed it, it's done, it's settled. Okay, amen. But now, here's the thing. Without the understanding of the revelation of death and burial, here you are with this emotional woundedness. Without the, 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 the understanding of, of death and burial, then you have no choice but to depend on old things have passed away. And that's true, that's valid. But there is more. You've got to depend on old things that have passed away. You've got to depend on Isaiah 43 verse 18. Remember you not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. And you ought to do that. And, that, and in fact that is the word. And that is coming from element number 8 of the sacrifice. But what I'm saying is. By having the knowledge of death and burial and resurrection and ascension. And the blood and the name and, and the life. There are other elements from within the sacrifice from which you can receive the wisdom of God. How do you talk? How do you believe? How do you speak? How do you conduct yourself? How do you release your faith? Are you with me? Otherwise, what are you going to do? Philippians 3.13, forget those things which are behind. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, which you ought to do. But I'm just saying, I don't want to say there's a better way as much as there's more. Say more. You like more? <laughs> so, yes, you ought to act on those scriptures. That is valid. That is correct. That is great. But God, we've got more. Say, I got more. So you are to, and even the very application of those scriptures is the eighth element of the sacrifice, the word, the promise, and uh, utterance. Now, now in order to come up higher, now I use that, that, that 1 Peter 2.24 as an example, and I use the keys, but we can go all over the place. And we can uh, you keep seeing how through the sacrifice you can get answers. And in fact, you can even learn to train yourself to ask, what does the sacrifice have to say about this? And then you go searching in the eight elements. There we go. <laughs> now, what, what, now, so what I'm talking about is coming up higher, being more effective. 
The scripture says in John 8 verse 36, whom the son sets free is what? Partly free? No, it's free indeed. It's free indeed. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. So some of these things will cause you to come up higher and walk in higher levels of the freedom and liberty that is yours in Christ. So really, and some of this, for instance, you are literally taking on your true identity, your new identity. What's your new identity? Your new identity is that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a king and a priest. You are not who you used to be. Your new identity comes, listen to this, out of resurrection. It comes out of resurrection. It comes out of resurrection. Romans 6 verse 3 and 4. Know ye not that as many of you that have been baptized into Christ were also baptized into his death. You were buried with him by baptism unto death. Now listen to this part. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, you ought to walk in the newness of life. In other words, you and I need to walk as if we've been raised up together with Christ. In other words, we got to walk and live in the reality of resurrection power. The reality of resurrection. Say the reality of resurrection. Now, let me show you how important this is. Now, again, when we're talking about resurrection, we're talking about the number three element of the sacrifice. When you are born again and you accept, you know, the blood and, and death and burial and so on and these things, so you have forgiveness. You have forgiven. But when you can go and take on the power of resurrection, you are not only, you're not just left with the fact that you are forgiven, but you now have power to live free from sin. To live, you now have power to rule over sin. That does not come from just from forgiveness. Are you with me? Being forgiven is great. But that doesn't give you the power. Where does the power come from? It comes from resurrection. The scripture says in Romans chapter 8 verse 13. That by resurrection. It says that you. Um, that through the spirit. Through the spirit. You can mortify the deeds of the body. That's not the verse I'm looking for. Okay sorry. The verse I'm looking for is. Through the, uh, that through the spirit. That's a good one too though. But in Romans chapter 8 verse 13 it says. For if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. So this resurrection power is not just forgiveness. Thank God for that. But it now gives you the power to live above sin and to rule over sin by the power of resurrection this power of resurrection can now be released and heal you in the realms of your soul spiritual things are not logic it's not reason it is spiritual intelligence but it's not sight it's not what it looks like so here we have spiritual we have woundedness and the scripture says the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken you. He shall heal you. 
How? Isaiah 10 verse 27. The anointing breaks the yoke and removes the burden. Things that have happened and there's that woundedness. There is that, that, that soulish callous that is cemented. That is, like a, that is like a tumor in the realm of the soul. It's like a cyst. It, it, it is solidified and it's there and you're carrying it around. It's like a door walking behind you. You're not exactly free from it. Well, the anointing can break it and remove it by the spirit of the living God. And that comes out of resurrection. Are you with me? So what am I saying? He said he will heal our wounds. But now you've got another way to act on that. By, by what? By pulling out the wisdom from resurrection. Pulling out the wisdom of old things passed away. And death and burial, etc., etc. You might be rattled with, you might be rattled with guilt, shame, condemnation. People have had things happen in their life. And there's a constant condemnation. Right? They, they, they have this sense of, of punishment. You know, maybe I didn't do this and, oh, and they're feeling condemned. I'm going to be in trouble. You know, and maybe I didn't pray. Maybe I didn't do this, whatever. And if this constant condemnation. Maybe they had a background of some kind of sinful lifestyle. I don't know if they were, they were a pimp or they were a prostitute or, 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 or a thief or whatever it is. And, and the images of these things affect them and they have this emotional sense of condemnation, these this emotions of insecurity and inferiority, they've been rejected. Well, the blood, and I was just talking about another element of the sacrifice. Now, the blood tells us, according to Romans chapter 4, verse 25, that Jesus has, that we have been acquitted. That means all the charges have been dropped. <laughs> all the charges have been dropped. And God, the blood of Jesus, God says, I've wiped away. Not only have I forgiven your sins, but I've remitted it. And there is no record of, of it. Even the handwriting of the laws that was against you, they're all being blotted out. So there is no logical, there is no spiritual reason that can justify you being guilty. Guilty of what? There is nothing there to be guilty of. It's been removed. Shame. Shame of what? He has wiped away your shame. Condemnation. What do you mean condemnation? He has taken the wrath. He has taken the punishment for anything that you could ever do wrong. So there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. It is Christ that died. It is God that has justified you. Why didn't you? How could there be a legitimate basis for condemnation? Are you That's why I say there's an element of this teaching today that requires spiritual intelligence. Which means you've got to see something spiritually, grab them and say, yes, I see this. I got it. It's mine. I'm going to do it this way. And don't forget, these things work how? Very simply, the power is in the proclaiming, is in the proclamation, the preaching of the gospel, the declaring of that blood, the declaring of that sacrifice, the declaring of, of, of that death, of that burial, of that authority, of that ascension, the declaring of it. The speaking of it, God says, I will watch over my word to perform it. I will make my word in your mouth like a hammer and like a fire. A hammer that will break the rocks in pieces. A fire that will burn up everything that needs to be burned up. Glory to God. Romans 5 verse 9 says that you are justified through the blood. Amen? The entirety of the picture is, in, is captured, for instance, in Isaiah 453 verse 10, where God says, 
by the knowledge of my servant, by the knowledge of what Jesus did on that cross. When you get a knowledge of that, by the knowledge of him shall many be what? Justified. Just as if sin never existed. By the knowledge of his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his name, his life, his word. By the knowledge of the fact that you died with him, you were buried with him, you resurrected with him, you ascended with him, you were washed by his blood, you were established in this new everlasting covenant. You now have the name of Jesus to approach the throne of God with boldness. You now have the name of Jesus so you could be master over the enemy and circumstances because whatever you do, you do in that name. You now have the, you now have the word of, you now have the life of Christ and you have the word and the promises of God. By the knowledge of him, and of that sacrifice shall many be made what? Righteous and be justified. So you could live as if you've never done anything wrong. That's freedom. So, you might be born again. You might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just making another, I'm just using another example. I'm just trying to point out what? Wisdom that comes out of the knowledge of the details of the sacrifice. It's not good enough to see the sacrifice as... Jesus died on the cross. Thank God for that. But that's not enough. You need to know death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his blood, his name, his life, his word. You may be born again. You might be filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. But yet you could be bound. Yet you can have addictions. Yet you could be addicted to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography. Or to some other wicked, evil vice. How do you get free? What if what wisdom is there within the sacrifice that will solve this problem? You see, this sacrifice is what, what God did in Christ to destroy the works of the devil. And if what God did in Christ does not overcome every wicked thing that came into the human race, because of the fall of the first Adam, then it would mean that what the devil did in the first Adam is greater than what God was able to do in the second Adam. So you see what God did in the second Adam is greater than anything the devil did in the first Adam. So whatever misery came into the human race, what God did by the sacrifice is greater, much greater. And therefore there's got to be an answer in the sacrifice. It teaches in Romans chapter 5 and several verses, but verse 18, that judgment and condemnation came because of the fall. But guess what? Reconciliation and justification has come because of the obedience of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. So here is this person, bound up, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, etc. They might even be a preacher. But yet they have these addictions. Yet they have these bondages. How can they be free? The answer has got to be in the sacrifice. Well, Galatians 5 verse 24 says, They that have been crucified with Christ. Those that have been crucified with Christ have been, the, 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 the desires and the lust and those addictions came to an end in the very body of Christ. Now, you may need to meditate on that, but in that very verse, because I am in Christ and I'm born again, when Jesus died, when Jesus was buried, when all of that happened, those addictions came to an end. Remember, even if we don't have all the depths and revelation and understanding, you can know this. If it's outside of Christ, 
then you are dead to it and you have authority over it. Whatever it is. I don't care what it is. If something new comes up tomorrow that you never heard anything about, just find out, is that in Christ? No? Well, if it's not in Christ and it's not nice, <laughs> if it's not in Christ, then you can decide, even without scripture, you can say, I'm dead to you. You have no authority over me. You can't stick a dead man with a pin and he go, ouch. He's dead. You can't tell, tempt him by, by putting a whole lot of $100 bill. No, he's dead. So when you know, so when you, so something comes up and it's outside of Christ, you're dead to it. And even if you're not, even if, and this is what I said, even if not, at least the name of Jesus is above it. Are you with me? And you are seated in the place of ascension. You know, I, I remember in the early days when I learned Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. There are times you don't know scripture, especially in those early days. When I didn't know scripture. <laughs> Right? But it says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. Well, I know what it is I desire. And so I believe I receive that when I pray. Amen? Even though you don't have scriptures there. In the same way, you might, some, some Google boogoo comes up, whatever the bad thing that is. And you know it's outside of Christ. Well, I'm dead to it. I have authority over it. I rebuke this Google boogoo, whatever that is. Are you getting the point? All right. Now, this doesn't mean you shouldn't learn scripture. You need to learn scripture. But anyway. So. Um, oh, gosh. All right. Let me deal with this addiction a little bit more. The scripture teaches, and you can come back study it out, but I'm going to do this quickly. If you go and you read from Romans chapter 7, verse 19, right through to Romans, to Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Paul is going to be talking about situation. Man, I want to do good and evil present. This is happening and da 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 What's going on here? Oh, who's going to deliver me? And Paul says, you know something? With my mind, I want to serve the law of God. With my mind, I delight in the law of God. But even though with my mind I delight in the law of God and I want to obey God and I want to do that which is pleasing to God and I want to do right and not yield to that addiction and that bondage, nevertheless, there seems to be another law working in my members that is warring against the law of my, my mind. And then for some reason, it seems like it brings me into captivity so that the good thing I want to do, I'm not able to do because of this law that is operating in my, in my flesh, this dynamic, it has me trapped. Oh, wretched man that I am, who is going to deliver me from this? I got to be set free. And he said, but thanks be to God who has given us the victory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here is the deal. With my mind, I serve the law of God. But here's the, here's the situation. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from that dynamic. The law of sin and death and sickness and disease. So how does this work? Here is how it works. You have got to learn. You see, you have the law of the mind, which is connected to the law of God. I connected. You got the law of the mind over here. And you have the law of sin that works through the members. And your body and flesh and all that stuff. But then what happened is, one of these are going to win. Which one is going to win if you have a wrestling match? Right? I don't know what it's called. A double what? Do you know the wrestling stuff? Anyway, if you got a wrestling match, the, the guy that has more technique, that has more strength, he's generally going to win. And generally the one that eats better. <laughs> so what happens is, the law of the mind and the law of, of, of the flesh or the law of sin and death, Whichever one is fed more is the one that is going to win. So what should you do? 
Well, first of all, find out what they eat. <laughs> and for the law of mind, feed it what it needs. And for the law of the flesh, or, 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 or the law of the flesh, or the law of sin, whatever it is, you find out what it needs to eat and starve it. You will find out that the law of the mind loves the word of God. So you feed on the word of God. You meditate on the word of God. There are times you're not feeding on the word of God. Well, listen to a good preacher. Put, put me on and listen, listen to me. <laughs> listen to the word of God. Whatever the case is, feed so that you have that coming in. Don't let your mind be exposed to all the filthiness that might come through television. All the subtle suggestions. The subtlety of, about sickness and disease. Here is this particular prescription, this particular um, medical stuff that, that can help you with this or that. Ho however, um, 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 if after so many days you have this happening, talk to your physician. If you know you find yourself dizzy, do this. And I mean, uh, oh, and, I mean and they pile a whole lot of stuff in your mind to contaminate you. Or else you have all this nudity, all of this vulgarity. Your mind, that kind of stuff, the law of sin and death likes that. But the law of your mind doesn't. So what you do, you, you, your company, the company you keep, you surround, you, you feed the law of the mind and you starve the law of sin and death. Now the other way of starving the law of sin and death is in terms of what you're listening to, what's coming in your eyes and your ears. But the other way of starving it is you, is, I was going to say chop off the members. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, what, what, what you do is that you do not, let me be scriptural, right? You do not yield your members or your faculties as instruments of unrighteousness. What does that mean? You don't indulge them. You make no provision for the flesh. You don't allow your members, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your skin, or anything to be involved with any kind of fleshy stuff that the devil likes is after. You just don't do it. You starve it. Amen? So you starve it and he's going to get weak. And if you keep programming your mind, then that will come automatically. And before you know it, you'll be functioning in the law of the spirit of life in Christ, which will keep you free from all that stuff. All right? Now, there's more to it than that, but believe me, by doing that, you can just declare that where the addiction is concerned, through death and burial, I'm free from it, I'm in Christ. And then you just learn to starve the flesh, starve the law of sin and death, and feed the law of the mind. And over time, you will be free, and you're going to be able to stay and maintain your freedom. All right, let's just speed up here now. So here is the point. In all that I'm saying, this is the point. You can apply specific elements of the sacrifice to address specific areas of your life. And by looking to the specific elements of the sacrifice with the mind of Christ, with the help of this Holy Spirit, then what can happen, you can get the wisdom that will show you how to act on the word and how to function in faith. I said before, the sacrifice of Christ answers every problem. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, why does the sacrifice have such power? I'll tell you why the sacrifice has power. Because inside the sacrifice, when you unwrap the sacrifice, what you find in it is the righteousness of God. 
And the righteousness of God is the nature of God. It's God himself, his life, his power, his glory. That's inside the sacrifice. How do I know that? Well, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice. Why? Because it has the power of God to produce salvation, wholeness, deliverance, preservation, prosperity. I'm confident. I'm not ashamed of this sacrifice because with it, there is such power to produce all kinds of realms of salvation to those that believe. And then it goes on to say, why? Because... Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Why does the sacrifice have such dynamic power? Because in that sacrifice is the unveiling or the revelation of righteousness. Amen? And the revelation of righteousness is the very nature of God that has been imparted to your born-again spirit that gives you this new identity. It's no longer um, Jesus was made to be sin, you were made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, just as we, as we turn the corner here a little bit, Let's just connect and harmonize. But I'm sure at this point you got the point. You got the point. From the sacrifice of Christ is all of this, super, this awesome wisdom that teaches you how to release your faith, how to function in faith. I don't know about you, but man, that's amazing. That's because if you really think there are times you, where you see this is the scripture, this is the promise, but you still don't know what to do. Isn't that true? Well, now the sacrifice of Christ can give you the wisdom what to do. Now, let me quickly connect them up together so that you can see a, a reason why it works out this way. Number one, is, uh, number one, number two. Faith works by what? Acknowledging what is finished. Philemon 6 says, the communication of your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ. Which is to say, your faith will work. It will produce when you acknowledge what you already got. When you acknowledge that in my spirit, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. When I acknowledge that by his stripes I am healed. When I acknowledge whatever it is, when I acknowledge the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. When I acknowledge that the peace of God which passed all understanding, that I got it. When I acknowledge that the glory of God is on the inside of me. When I, when I acknowledge, when I acknowledge, when I own up to whatever it is that is already here. These spiritual blessings, that will cause my faith to work. But what is that? That means your faith is actually acknowledging what is finished. Philemon 6. So faith connects you, if you were to look at it in Hebrews 4 verse 3, that says all the works of God were finished from before the foundation of the world. Before there was any fall, before there was any sin, it was all finished, it was all done. Jesus was slain from before the foundation of the world. It was all done. So what's happening? Your faith is connecting with what's finished. Your faith is connecting in what's already settled in heaven. All right? Okay. But now what about the sacrifice? The sacrifice itself, <laughs> the sacrifice itself, now listen to this. Your faith connects to what is finished, but the sacrifice of Christ is what finished it. The sacrifice of Christ is what finished it all. That's why Jesus said in the cross, what? It is finished. And Jesus said in John 17, 4, Father, the work you've given me to do, I finished it. The reason I came to sacrifice and do all, it's finished. I finished it. Right? Now, he said that by faith. He was heading to the cross. He knew, it was, he knew I, I'm not going to mess this up. It's going to be finished, all right? Hallelujah. All right. So, I'm just seeing, look at the connection, faith and the sacrifice. Faith called those things that be not as though they are. Well, of course, 
Because faith sees the unseen. Faith sees what's finished. And faith calls it down here as it is up there. So faith calls those things that don't yet exist here as they exist there. So it talks about it here as if it already existed here because it exists there. Are you with me? But now, the sacrifice, <laughs> the sacrifice in a way doesn't go through all of that. The sacrifice simply says, it's done. <laughs> Think about it. The sacrifice says, it's done. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But I just want you to see the relationship, the harmony. So by definition now, now catch this, faith actually believes and have total confidence on what the sacrifice has done and finished. Faith has confidence in the sacrifice of Christ and whatever the sacrifice says. So faith has confidence in all of those eight elements. All right? Now, now let me prove that to you and then we can apply it. Are you ready for this? Now, I'm going to use a, a God told me here. Right? I'm going to use one of those God told me statements. But I remember it was 2013. Maybe I, shouldn't, I should stop dating stuff. <laughs> but it was 2013. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, I'm mixing up two things here. I'm mixing up the sacrifice. And, uh, okay, I'm mixing up two things. I'm back up here. Anyway, this is still a Lord, Lord told me. First John 5. Actually, no, this is not a Lord should, told me. This is the Lord showed me. There's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. You know that? There's a Lord told me, and there's a Lord showed me. The Lord showed me. All right. First John 5, 4 says, remember, the connection between faith and sacrifice. Faith has confidence in what the sacrifice has done and what the sacrifice says. First John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So it says, this is the victory. What's the victory? Faith. Say faith. Fine. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God who has given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord showed me this and I came to this understanding in terms of how to locate the sacrifice in the Bible and in particular New Testament. In that what that scripture means is thanks be to God who has given us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done? He's been sacrificed, isn't that right? So thanks be to God who gave us the victory through the sacrifice. So victory through the sacrifice. This is the victory, even our faith. Put it together. What do you have? You have that faith is confidence in the sacrifice. Can you see that? So now, let's inject this in a few places and then we'll, uh, then we'll close. So Ephesians 2 verse 8 says you are saved by grace through what? Faith. So you are saved by grace through confidence in the sacrifice. Isn't that right? Romans 1 verse 17 says, the just shall live by faith. So it says those that are righteous, so, so the just shall live by confidence in the sacrifice. You want to live a Christian life successfully? You better have confidence in the sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. So it means then you got to walk by confidence in the sacrifice and not by sight. Or else it's going to be rough. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 says, with, with the shield of faith, we can quench all the fiery darts of the devil. So what does that mean then? With the shield of confidence in the sacrifice, you can quench the fiery darts of the devil. And if you don't have the confidence in the sacrifice, then those darts are going to get through. And they're going to sometimes hit you. Ooh, ouch. But I pulled pull it out. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, Jesus said, when I return, no, Jesus didn't say that, Paul said it. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, says, that says that, um, talking about in the last days, some shall depart from what? The faith. Some shall depart from the confidence in the sacrifice. Now you, if, and I'm not trying to be critical of what's being taught in the body of Christ, but there are some places where there are nice, sweet, fleshy messages being preached. But they've departed from the confidence in the sacrifice. And sometimes what they're teaching is psychology and a whole bunch of other stuff. No, no, no disrespect. But in the last days, they will depart from what? The faith, confidence in the sacrifice. Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Jesus said in verse 8, When I return, will I find faith in the earth? What is he saying? When I return, will I find you persisting in faith? Well, let's put it this way. When I return, will I find you persisting in having confidence in the sacrifice? Or will you get swept off somewhere else? Amen? So, let's finalize this. The sacrifice of Christ is so awesome when applied that it will bring you into the perfect will of God. It can bring you into the perfect will of God. It can bring you into a place of sanctification and holiness. It says this is the will of God, even our sanctification. The scripture says that when you were crucified, when, that the reality is you were crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ. That's the state of every believer. But when that becomes your testimony, where it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. You have come into a place of maturity. You have come into a place where it's not about me. It's not about my will. For me to live is Christ. You've come into a place where I, I was dead in trespasses and sins. But now I'm alive. And I ought to live for him that died for me and rose again. It brought you into that place of maturity. What am I saying? It's going to bring you into a place of maturity, the application of the sacrifice of Christ. Now, quite often... We take 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. And we say, whatever I ask according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know I've got the petitions I desire of him. Whatever we ask according to his will. In other words, I got the word. I got the promise. This is what the word of God says. Therefore, this is the will of God. Therefore, if I ask, I'm going to have it. Sounds good. But examine it for a moment. You can have the word of God and the promises of God, but your motive is wrong. I need to get healed for the simple reason that I could be more comfortable when I watch some nonsense. I need to be healed. Why? So that I can have something, whatever. But the thing is, if I need to be healed because my body is the temple of the living God and he is to be glorified. And when I got a good body, man, I'm more, he can get more done. All right? When I decide I want to prosper, um, the word of God says he gives me the power to get wealth, the treasures of the darkness, and da 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 The treasure that the sinner has laid up. And I believe you, Lord God, for this finances to flow. But here, because I have this scripture, no, not just because I have this scripture, but because my desire is to see your kingdom and your will done. I want to see the kingdom expanded. So now what I'm, what I'm showing you is, technically speaking, 
The will of God is not just, it's not about the will of God. That scripture says, whatever I ask according to what? Whose will? His will. His will. It didn't just say, it didn't just say according to his word. It says according to his will. And it could be his word. But if you are not lined up with him, it may not necessarily be his will. So, let's bring some clarity. Now, let's back up. So, first Corinthians chapter, first John 5 verse 13 says, I'm making a case. That sanctification, or rather the sacrifice, can bring you into alignment and into a place of sanctification and holiness and into the perfect will of God. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have what? Eternal life. You were born again, but you seem to have lost the awareness that you have eternal life. But I'm writing this to you so that you know that you have eternal life. So that you can know that that life in your spirit is the very life of Christ. And therefore, whatever you ask the Father in my name. No, no. And therefore, this, therefore, this is the confidence. That whatever you ask according to his will, he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, you've got the petitions. But... This is the confidence. What is the confidence? The confidence begins with knowing that the life you now have is eternal life and it is the life of Christ. And because you're functioning from that life of Christ, which is number seven in the sacrifice. And because you're functioning from that life of Christ, and it is about his will coming from that place, whatever you ask according to his will, he hears you. And if you know he hears you, you know you got the petitions that you, uh, that you ask of him. Jesus put it this way. He says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Proverbs puts it this way. That when a man weighs what? Please the Lord. God says, I'll make his enemies to be his footstool. Whoever and whatever those enemies might be, it might be lack, it might be sickness, it might be disease, Jesus already said, look, my body, your body is my temple. And if anything defies that temple, I will destroy it. But you got to come into that place. Where, I like to put it, this is one way of putting it. When you, okay, when you live Jesus' life for you, for him, he will live. When you live Jesus' life for him. In other words, you say, Jesus, come on. I'm going to live your life for you. Right here in this body, I'm going to live my life for you. Jesus says, fine. And I'm going to live your life for you. Now, when Jesus begins to live your life for you, and something comes into your body that is trying to violate that temple, the scripture says, I didn't write this. It says in, in Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, that Jesus will rise up. And he will exhort power. And he will make your vile body to be like his glorious body. If that's not divine health, I don't know what is. Amen? We're going to finish here. So, in conclusion. In conclusion. When Jesus returns, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find you pursuing that sacrifice? Because you see... The pursuit of that sacrifice, being one with that sacrifice, having that fellowship, that intimate participation, that communion, intimate participation with everything Jesus did in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his name, his life, his word that he did not only for you, but with you. Having that intimate participation and equal share 
not fellowship. That's what this real faith is. This is the, you know, this is the faith, and I'm living in that place. Paul calls it in Romans 16, verse 25. Check it out. He calls it the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. You have been set apart by the spirit of the Lord. And by the sprinkling of the blood unto obedience. This is what we're talking about. This fellowship. Jesus said in Luke 18 verse 8. Will I find you pursuing that sacrifice? Will I find you persisting in faith? But back in verse 1. He's even talking about prayer. Men are always to what? Pray. And not faint. And then he told, told about the story of the woman who came and, and to this unjust judge, and she wanted he didn't want to treat her right, but she was insistent. She was insistent and persevering, and she got what she wanted. In other words, Jesus, when he spoke in verse 8 about faith and pursuing righteousness, he was talking, he was hooking it up with prayer, which means what? He was hooking it up with intimacy, oneness, fellowship, communion, common union, with everything he did in his blood. Everything he did in his body, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have my life. You got to be consumed with me. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I count all things but loss. I want to be intimate with him. I want to be, I want to be in this place for me to live as Christ. To die is gain. I reckon myself to be dead indeed. I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That I died with him. I buried with him. I was resurrected with him. I ascended with him. I shed his blood. I have his name. I have his life. I have his word. I live this way. Always bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that the life of Christ might come forth. For me, it's abiding in that death. It's a faithful saying that if you die with him, you shall also live with him. So it's abiding in that death so that out of that comes life. Life for those. Life for those that I come in contact with. It works within me death, but it works in you life. And that's what it's all about. The application of the sacrifice of Christ so that you can get the wisdom that is necessary to function in faith accurately. And more effectively. And in the process, you're coming into a place of surrender. You're coming into a place of oneness. And therein is when God said to the apostle John. I mean, look at the place where John was living. And here, I'm talking about his walk with God. On the island of Patmos. But God said to him, come up higher. So the Lord is saying to you, come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come, come, come in a little closer. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. This is about faith, but this is also about holiness. This is also about the fear of the Lord. This is also about total surrender. This is also about letting Jesus be Lord of all. This is also about the application of the sacrifice so that the life that God has ordained for you to have, that you would walk in it. He has ordained eternal life and has promised it from before the foundation of the world. But you got to fight this good fight of faith. This pursuit of intimacy and fellowship with the sacrifice so that you might lay a hold on that eternal life. 
that God kind of life. So the Spirit of the Lord is inviting you to come in a little bit closer, to come up a little bit higher, to reckon yourself to be dead indeed, but alive unto God. To reckon that what the Word of God says, what the sacrifice says, it's the truth. And to bind yourself to it in the name of Jesus. So just say, yes, Lord, to the spirit of sanctification. Say that with me. Yes, Lord, to the spirit of sanctification. Say yes to your lordship. Yes, Lord, to your lordship. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Now, I just pray for everyone that is online. May God bless you and keep you, strengthen you with might in your innermost being, and may you continually come up higher. May you know the grace of God that passes all knowledge. May you know the grace for out of his fullness we receive grace on top of grace. So until we meet again, stay strong, stay blessed.